Hello, I'm Juliette Foster and welcome to the studio. In this session, we are talking transforming infrastructure. What I want to do is to throw this opening question to you, Linda. Someone has to draw the short straw and I'm afraid it is you. But I mean, from your perspective, what do you see as the key principles, ingredients, however you wish to define them, if you want to have a transformation programme in your infrastructure, which can be credited as successful? Thank you. Um, let me first introduce myself. My name is Linda Rogers. I am the CIO for Life Healthcare International. Uh, yeah, so key ingredients, key principle, design for flexibility and speed. So I think from my perspective, uh, from an infrastructure perspective, you need to actually design for flexibility. As we know, there's ever-changing requirements in businesses and you need to be agile and be, uh, be able to do this in, with speed. So agility, speed, and flexibility and always putting our customers and our patients first in anything that we design because that's that's key for us. Sounds good to me, Georgina. Do you go along with that or are you going to be different? <laughs> <laughs> of course, absolutely. Um, I, <clears throat> it's interesting that you mentioned Agile, Linda, because I know with a lot of infrastructure programs, um, transformation programs, a lot of people tend to go more to the waterfall approach and that's what ends up causing issues and problems. Um, so when you say the waterfall approach, one big cascade? Yeah, one huge programme of work, lots and lots of stage gates, um, lasts years and years, costs an absolute fortune. And I think it's been quite difficult for people to, to switch their mindsets to think more agilely for a kind of an infrastructure type um, project. But I think it's great that you do take that approach and then that will allow you to take small steps and, and that's what's key to success really is those small steps. Okay, so Detlaf, you don't do waterfalls I assume, but you do go for small steps. So what would be your starting point for the small steps towards having this transformation and making it succeed? Well, I, I think the uh, to make it succeed, it's important that the whole business can onboard as quickly as possible. That means picking up the uh, different departments and, and groups of people where they are and not um, setting down one massive monolith of a new infrastructure that people have to migrate to. So you need, um, like Linda said, you need to be flexible and um, uh, you need to be agile. But it's taking people on the journey with you, Linda. That's what, that's what he's saying effectively. Yeah. yeah. And, and in terms of this, is that one of the lessons which you've learned as technology leaders when you're trying to inspire that transformation and what, what were the key lessons that you've drawn Georgina? I think with infrastructure there's a tendency for people to think it's a very technical project and so overlook the fact that the business are impacted by it and the business need to be involved and that they have a say in it and I think that's a really critical thing for technologists to bear in mind um, that as you know any kind of change to the business regardless whether it's rolling out of a new product or a new feature is going to require stakeholders support and so you know get them involved right early on at the beginning and keep them involved all the way through. And what's your perception Detlaf in terms of well from, again from your own experience what would you say technology leaders should actually gain in terms of fomenting that transformation the key the key points that you've learned? Yeah I mean it's the same really so you, you can't approach it only from the techno technology side you need to um, look at what are the business requirements and you need to um, bring people on board. That's what I, I meant. You need to pick them up where they are. And ideally, you start with a few uh, low-hanging fruits. And uh, instead of transforming the whole business at once, you start with a few 
pilot projects um, to gain the experience and then uh, hopefully have some success cases to show and show other uh, parts of the business. This is how we do it and this is how it works. Was there a particular pilot program that you were involved in, which you started, which really stands out for you in terms of lessons gained? Well, we recently moved into the cloud. So we uh, have a massive program of uh, moving all our data assets into the cloud. And um, for us, uh, we, we have a large security wrap around it. So we needed to build our own security wrap in the cloud as well. And so we started with uh, selected uh, data assets that had to go first and with the uh, kind of applications or the projects around that that uh, use these data assets. And what about you, Linda? Did, did you embark on pilot projects at all? Oh, gosh, I, I was going to actually say no rush jobs. But yes, we do always do. Um, I, I wouldn't call them pilot uh, projects, but I'll call them proof of concepts. Uh, so basically, we want to make sure that the concept works before we start to then iterate and build it into the business. Uh, I think from a lessons lens, uh, change management, I do agree, definitely is the key there. But one of the other things I think about is around not having a rush job. While we talked about agility just now, uh, upfront, you know, you want to ensure that you've gotten the right requirements, that there's no rush. The business sometimes always uh, wants something now and do it now, but you know we need to ensure that everyone is putting in their best, as uh, uh, she's already said, in regards to making sure everyone is involved from the start, the requirements are very clear, then we can run. Uh, so I think one of the biggest lessons is that we don't rush into things and we shouldn't do rush jobs just because we want it now. Uh, we want to get it right. Yeah, that sounds like managing expectations. But what were the proof of, of concept projects that you, that you embarked on when you were trying to foment your transformation, Georgina? Yeah. <clears throat> well, we've just two weeks ago completed a massive migration project. And um, I, wasn't, I mean, the, in terms of the proof of concept, it was much more of the upfront testing. Um, and one of the things, one of the tips that I'd give to, to other technology leaders is don't make any assumptions that just because people turn up at meetings, they know what you're talking about. I think you need to get them involved in the testing, signing off the results and, you know, as old fashioned as it is, but actually agreeing um, almost like a sign off that, that, yes, they understand what's happening. They understand when it's happening. They know what the results are going to be. They know what the impact is on them. You know, we had a list of, I think, about 30 people that we'd been talking to constantly. But it was when you actually got them to fill out that spreadsheet with ticks all on it saying that they knew what was going on, that they really stepped back, sat back and thought about it. So, um, you know, you, you cannot over-prepare. There's, there's no way that you can over-prepare. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you're talking there about making sure you had the stakeholders on board so they know what they're letting themselves in for. But what about the C-suite? Yes, they're part of it, but how do you manage their expectations? Because, you know, you're responsible for security. The feeling is, well, okay, then you've identified the problem. Now, how quickly can we get this? How do you manage those expectations so that they're actually realistic for them in their interpretation? Again, um, I mean, you know, I sat in several discussions with the exec team and, and asked if they were okay with what we were doing, if they were aware of it. And there's quite a few of them that are like, well, my people have not been involved. I don't know what's going on. It's like, well, this is at the C-suite level. At the C-suite level, my peers, yep, at the table. And um, uh, again, it's just that communication. Everybody's so busy. You just, you have to take the time, walk through the plan, step by step at the right appropriate level. 
Um, and I think that's what's important. I think a lot of the time with infrastructure projects, people go in with a, an enormous plan that's very, very detailed, but they don't um, percolate it up to the business level. And that's you've got to speak the same language. I think that's what's really important. And that's an interesting point, Detlef, that you have a plan. And OK, everyone gets it according to where it started, but it's actually not sort of distributing it downwards but upwards as well, so that the guys on top, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not caught by surprise. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> How do you deal with that? Yeah, no, that, that, that's really important because there are usually um, um, expectations that are a, a bit overblown. Every transformation project, every technology project will hit difficulties on, on the way. So you, you have your plan, what you want to deliver and when, and uh, you will always almost run into it, some sort of technical problem that needs more time to sort and it's just important that this expectation is made clear that uh, you have to work past these sort of uh, problems because in the end if you do a technical transformation project you are switching the engines mid-flight right so you, you want to make sure that this goes well and you take your time and make sure it's right and um, yeah everybody needs to be on the same page. Linda I'd love to get your, your response to that because everyone needs to be on the same page but unfortunately, not everybody is. And it must be incredibly frustrating when you say to the board, look, this is what we're doing. And it's like, Linda, that's fantastic. Delivery next week? <laughs> I think that's that's a common thing that we see in the uh, C-suite. And I'm part of that C-suite anyway, so I do that myself. But I think it's it, it, what really we should be talking about here. We're talking about infrastructure projects, but actually these are business projects. And from my perspective, with my C-suite, it's basically interpreting it in business language so we're delivering a technology program but what is in it for me so hr director or hr exco actually translating that delivery because that's when you communicate to them when you communicate the plan in an it voice they nod their head and say yes 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 but they don't get it but when you communicate it and say here's what we're doing and here's what it is for you that registers and they understand and then they start asking so what's happening with that you said i was going to get that because now it's translated from technology to business speech and so they can buy into that. So it's about transforming that technology speech to business speech so they understand and it's communicated properly to the business. So I think it's not technology programs infrastructure, it's a business program with technology being the lead for it. Okay, look, we're amongst friends here. Okay, so spill the beans, all right? But look, all of you, can you honestly say that you've actually changed your vocabulary when you have to meet the guys in the C-suite, do you actually throw off the geek's hat and you're talking their language? Come on, if you, if you, if you feel that you're not doing it or whatever, you're amongst friends, feel safe. I have to speak the business language because if not, you're in a meeting and you're speaking tech and it's just that going over everyone's head. Is that a recent habit you've acquired? Yes. Okay, so this is a recent habit. You, you sort of trained yourself into this. So it's recent. Is Tetliff, is, is the, the businessman's language, is that something that you've recently acquired or has it been a bit of a journey to learn how to speak like them so that they get what it is that you're trying to tell them? No, this is part of the experience, right? So for any technical project, you can't speak technical lingo to, to the business people. You need to explain it in their terms and um, to bring them on board and explain what is in it for them in the end. And um, yeah, this is just part of communication you have to do it you, you can't waltz in there and, and talk technical language and say oh try to explain this it's not possible and uh, it, it's they, they don't want to know right they don't want to know the technical problems that you're facing 
Okay. How would you rate your communication skills with your C-suite? Would you give yourself a 10? Can, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nine and a half? It's uh, probably in, in, uh, above average, but uh, still can be improved. <laughs> you always uh, get into a situation where you afterwards realize, huh, shouldn't have said that. <laughs> what about you, Linda? How would you rate your communication skills with your C-suite? I would say about, out of a 10, I would say seven. So that's average and uh, with work to still do, yes. Oh, that's, that's very good. That's very good. What about you, Georgina? Have you cracked it? Do you, when, you, when you talk to your C-suite, do you have to consciously say to yourself, look, I want to transform, but we're not going to get there if I speak like, like a tech person. So I've, I know the language that they, they respond to. Have you cracked that? Yeah, I think I've cracked it because um, I, I also, you know, present to the board. Um, which is another whole group of stakeholders, and they have an even higher level view of what's going on. And so, so talking to them, you've really got to um, embed the technology part of what you're presenting into the, the business vision and be very focused on the, the costs and the success criteria sure. and, the, and the impact. So that kind of takes you to another level. But I think one of the points I'd like to make is that, you know, with my team, um, I spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring them, and a lot of a lot of what I'm doing with them is talking is teaching them to talk mm. differently um, to not only the the C-suite but the rest of their uh, peers in the business, uh, and to you know if they walk in their shoes. So so always think about things from their perspective, mm. um, you know, and that what you're the change that you're going to be making, your transformation that you're trying to make, which seems hugely important and impactful, may not feel the same to them. So you know that kind of empathy that you need to have for the rest of the business. So how would you grade your skills? Are you a 10? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't say anything else, would I? Your modesty is overwhelming. I know. Yes. <laughs> We've got about five minutes left, so let's see how many more questions we can squeeze into that time. But let me start with you, uh, Linda. What about iterative changes to the infrastructure? How do you prioritise what actually needs updating or changing? Because the technology is, it's, it's never static and the responsibilities that go with the terrain, they will shift from one day to the other. So how do you prioritise? Uh, our prioritisation is linked to business needs and um, what the business actually needs. Uh, so as you know, uh, it's not a bottomless pit when it comes to budget and money. Uh, you have to have uh, a certain amount of budget every year. So whatever... Um, infrastructure changes we need to make has to be linked to a business requirement uh, and also on the other side we need to see the benefits uh, and the return on investment from a business so it's not tech for tech for tech for business uh, it's not because it's new and shiny that we have to upgrade or do the work what's how does it translate to a business uh, uh, positive or how does it translate to a business benefit and then we do it uh, obviously they're the ones where you cannot avoid doing it because from a security perspective you need to secure your business then those are also priorities so we've got that list of you know prioritization uh, principles that we use to say what projects we need to spend money on and which ones we can move to the, the year after mm. and Dirtliff, what are the priorities which uh, well how do you construct your priorities because again large organization and i guess you can't embrace a one-size-fits-all strategy to this in terms of working out where the attention needs to be where the money needs to be focused yeah often it is uh, where which sort of uh, tech debt do you have to repair first and um, start with that so for us it was moving data into the cloud uh, had to be done first to um, address the kind of issues in our data stores 
And um, so sometimes you have to go with the kind of enabling layer that uh, you need to have in place so that you can do something in the new infrastructure. And then you start with that. Mm. And what about you, Georgina? How do you prioritize? I think it's a blend of both what Linda and Detlef have said, really. Um, looking at the risks uh, uh, and I think thinking you know, quite far ahead in terms of, um, again, coming back to how you sell the story, if we don't make this change now, then it's going to become urgent. And then when we have to do it urgently, then it's going to cost more and we're going to have to pull people in. So, so kind of doing that risk assessment and then combining that with the, the business value um, or the business impact, <clears throat> depending on what the change is going to be. So it's, it really, you really do need to have that blended approach. Okay. A couple of minutes left before we close out, but um, if you can be briefing your response as well. Let me start first with you, Detlef. What do you do if there's a conflict between what you see as a priority and your C-suite? Can it be resolved? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, it's down to communication again, right? So you, uh, you need to try and convince. And uh, again, not in, in technical terms, you need to explain what it means to do A or B and what are the, the benefits and uh, the risks around this so that the C-suite can make the decision. It's not you making the decision, it's them. So you, you need to lay it out for them. Linda. I think it's a, it's a blend between what you need and what they need and looking at their pros and cons and actually which one makes a more business impact uh, and everyone actually understanding you know, and communicating what the impact and benefits will be and then making a decision. Georgina. Um, make it fact-based, not emotion. I think, you know, that's the, that's the best way to get a decision. You lay out the facts uh, and, again, all of the risks and the impact and the benefits, and hopefully the decision will be obvious. But sometimes you just As have in to... in your favour. <laughs> <laughs> not, not always, not necessarily, but, you know, sometimes you just have to say, OK, I've laid out the facts, you're all signing off that we don't want to do this now, that's why, or we're all signing off because I don't consider it's an us and them. Um, and, you know, as a team, we've signed off the risk and therefore we're going to, you know, we're not going to do it or we are going to do it. OK, interesting way in which to end this conversation. But everybody, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.